Chapter 6. Peter Dreamed. Vilna Lutz was ahead of him in a field, and he, Peter, was running to catch up. Hurry, shouted Vilna Lutz, you must run like a soldier. The field was a field of wheat, and as Peter ran, the wheat grew taller and taller, and soon it was so tall that Vilna Lutz disappeared entirely from view, and Peter could only hear his voice shouting, Hurry, hurry, run like a man, run like a soldier. It is no good, said Peter, no good at all. I have lost him, I will never catch him, and it is pointless to run. He sat down and looked up at the blue sky. Around him, the wheat continued to grow, forming a golden wall, sealing him in, protecting him. It is almost like being buried, he thought. I will stay here forever, all the time. No one will find me. Yes, he said, I will stay here. And it was then that he noticed that there was a door in the wall of wheat. Peter stood and went to the wooden door and knocked on it and the door swung open. Hello? called Peter. No one answered him. Hello? he called again. And when there was still no answer, he pushed the door open farther and stepped over the threshold and entered the apartment he had once shared with his mother and father. Someone was crying. He went into the bedroom and there on the bed Wrapped in a blanket, alone and wailing, was a baby. Whose baby is this? Peter said. Please, whose baby is this? The baby continued to cry, and the sound of it was heartbreaking to him, so he bent and picked her up. Oh, he said, shh, there, there. He held the baby and rocked her back and forth. After a time, she stopped crying and fell asleep. Peter could not get over how small she was, how easy it was to hold her, how comfortable she fit in his arms. The door to the apartment stood open, and he could hear the music of the wind moving through the grain. He looked out the window and saw the evening sun hanging golden over the field. For as far as his eye could see, there was nothing but light and he knew suddenly and absolutely that the baby he held in his arms was his sister, Adele. When he woke from this dream, Peter sat up straight and looked around the dark room and said, But that is how it was. She did cry. I remember. I held her, and she cried. So she could not, after all, have been born dead and without ever drawing breath, as Vilna Lutz has said time and time again. She cried, you must live to cry. He lay back down and imagined the weight of his sister in his arms. Yes, he thought. She cried. I held her. I told my mother that I would watch out for her, always. That is how it happened. I know it to be true. He closed his eyes and he again saw the door from his dream and felt what it was like to be inside the apartment and to hold a sister and look out on that field of light, the dream was too beautiful to doubt. The fortune teller had not lied, and if she had not lied about his sister, then perhaps she had told the truth about the elephant. The elephant, said Peter. He spoke the word aloud to the ever-present dark, to the snoring Vilna Lutz, to the whole of the sleeping and indifferent city of Baltice. The elephant is what matters. She is with the countess. 
I must find some way to see her. I will ask Leo Matinee. He is an officer of the law, and he will know what to do. Surely there is some way to get inside, to get to the countess, and then to the elephant, so that it can be undone, so that all can be at last put right. Because Adele does live. She lives. Less than five blocks from the apartment's polonaise stood a grim, dark building that bore the somewhat improbable name of the Orphanage of the Sisters of Perpetual Light. And on the top floor of that building was an austere dormitory outfitted with a series of small iron beds lined up side by side, one after the other, like metal soldiers. In each of these beds slept an orphan, and the last of the beds in the drafty, over-large dormitory was occupied by a small girl named Adele, who soon after the incident at the opera house began to dream of the magician's elephant. <laughs>